Good morning. Grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible because you're going to have to read along with us. And uh, I'm actually going to pause. You're going to read something silently to yourself. So raise your hand if you need a Bible. We'll bring one to you. Pull it up on your phone app. Um, make sure it's that, not, you know, Facebook or something. Um, and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And as I said, we, we're going to read something together. I'm going to need you to have something in front of you you can read, or if you got the person next to you, you can read off of theirs with them. That works as well. Luke chapter 18. Let me read, starting in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road, and when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked, what was happening? Well, they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by, so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped. And he ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, All right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you're an awesome and mighty God. And God, we ask that as we read this scripture that you speak to us, that, again, God, it's not my words, it's your words. And that the message that you want us to hear today is loud and clear. God, I pray that you just empty our hearts right now of uh, of, of concerns and things that happened in the last 24 hours, the last week, or our worries about tomorrow, Lord. Help us to focus right now in your presence on your word. May your truth be loud and clear. In my name we pray. Amen. This is what I'd like you to do. Okay, we've never done this before, so we're going to try it. I'm going to ask you to read it again, but you're going to read it. And after you are done reading through this, verses 35 to 42, when you are finished, actually 43, when you're done reading those verses, I want you to find somebody next to you, okay? And you're just going to share one thing. Hey, after reading this, this is what stood out. That's it. Nothing deep. It's just like, wow, I, I've never heard this story before. I've heard this story a thousand times. But this really sticks out to me when I read this story. Now, here's the deal. If you look around, there might be nobody sitting next to you, okay? And church family, if you belong to this church, you always come here and you recognize somebody sitting by themselves, please lean over to that person. Make them feel welcome and say, so what, did, what, did you, uh, what stuck out with you when you read that? Okay? And that, that's it. I'll give you a couple minutes, and when there's enough buzz going on, we'll stop and we'll go from there, all right? Hopefully you've had a chance to share. Some of you are like, I'm not even done reading yet, sorry. Uh, I just assumed you're all speed readers. As we continue to learn what it means to know God, to find freedom, and to discover our purpose in life so that we can make a difference for him. And I read through this, this scripture. Um, I, I'm looking at this blind beggar who is unable to see physically, okay? but has this life-changing experience. And as I've read through this scripture and, and as I was 
been preparing for this message, you know, like I said, I've, I've read it hundreds of times probably, and I've probably heard other pastors preach on it. But for some reason, when I read through it recently, it was like God was saying, no, I want you to read it again and slow down. So I, I read it again and slowed down. And I just started writing all over in my Bible and just market things. It's like, why have I not seen this before? It's like, it was like the blind beggar myself was sitting here and God was like, what do you want to see, Rex? Our truth. All right. And he just opened my eyes. It's like, wow. Uh, I love it when God teaches me stuff. And then I'm encouraged to just share that with you. And I'm looking at this blind beggar who was imprisoned by blindness. And most likely he believes he has a purposeless life. Because why? Because he's blind. He's begging. He probably doesn't believe that he has purpose in life. And I'm sure there's so many times we have been blinded by things around us that we think, what can God do with me? I mean, really. Whether it's my gender, my age, whether where I'm at in life my finances, my talents. Can God really use me? And we are so blinded by Satan's lies that we think all we're good enough to do is just sit there and just beg for goodness from everybody else. And God said, no, I want to free you from that. And one day everything changes for this blind man. One day this blind beggar discovers that he can know God in a much deeper way. Like he's never known him before. And it changes everything because knowing God, knowing God through knowing Jesus will change you. Because sometimes we sit there and say, how can I know who God is? And very plainly in Scripture, Jesus says, you want to know the Father? Look at me and you'll see this. So let's look at this passage a little closer. Let's look at verse 35. Jesus is approaching Jericho. A blind beggar sitting alongside the road. So let's get the physical aspect of what this looks like. Jesus and his disciples traveling on one of the most traveled roads from Galilee to Jerusalem. So pick a heavy trafficked road. That's Jesus walking on it with his disciples, heading to Jerusalem. And we know that, guess what? As he's on his way to Jerusalem, he's heading to his fate. He's heading towards the end of his ministry where he is going to complete everything he's been doing. And he's on that path right now. The blind man can't see Jesus, eh? but he could hear something. He knew something was happening. If you were outside of a stadium and you hear the roar of a crowd, you know something big just happened. You know that if you're in a building somewhere and you hear a bunch of noise, sirens, you know something big just happened. This blind man is sitting there, obviously oblivious to physically what's going on around him in one sense. But in another sense, he hears something big coming. It says, when he heard the noise of the crowd going past... He asked, what was happening? What's going on? There's some kind of big hype going on. The hype drew the attention of the blind beggar. Something different is going on today than any other day. What is it? What's going on? The answer, Jesus is in the house. Jesus is coming to town. Jesus is arriving. And you got to love the fact that when Jesus shows up, a crowd always gathers. Always gathers. As you read through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four Gospels, about the life of Jesus Christ, just read. Anytime Jesus is showing up, a crowd gathers. Why is it? People are so attracted to hearing what Jesus was going to say or what he was going to do. It's like a sold-out concert. It's hard to get a ticket, right? Always a buzz, always a hype. Here is Jesus. So let me pause for a second and ask you this. When's the last time you got really excited about Jesus? 
I mean, if Jesus is coming, what's your reaction? What's your excitement? What's going on in your heart? We get excited about so much in life, right? You know, I'm not exactly a highly emotional guy. I'm really not, okay? So like a week ago, I think when we were getting ready to go to Cincinnati, Jenny was like, so you excited about going to the game? Excited about seeing the Ark? I'm like, sure, yeah. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. I'm not like, whoo, I'm going to be wearing this, and I'm going to be picturing this, and I'm going to do all that. That's, I get excited, you know, but I don't know. I'm just not like that. The blind man hears the noise. He starts to feel this buzz going on, like something big is going down. So he starts asking. Like, you got to like this. At least he posed a question. At least he asked. A lot of us, something big's going on, and we don't even pay attention. We just let it go. He stopped and said, I, I want to know what's going on. Well, what's all this hype about? And here's the thing. If you don't ask, you'll never know. You will never discover. You know, and, and so a quick note to parents. When your kids are asking all these questions all the time, they're like, oh, another question. All right? That's okay. They're discovering. And I know there's times it's like, just go ask your mom, okay? Um, it's a good moment to help your child discover more. And here's the blind man who's almost like a child wanting to know more, discovering. So he asked the question, what's going on? He discovers Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. He must have known who Jesus Christ. He must have known about Jesus Christ. Whether he met him before or not, we don't know. But the fact that when they said Jesus is coming... Right away, he recognizes who Jesus is. We know that from what he's about ready to say. So instead of giving up because he can't see Jesus, what does he do? He starts screaming out. He begins to shout. Look at verse 38. He began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The man hears Jesus passing by, so desperate to get the attention of Jesus that he could not be embarrassed at all. You cannot shut this man up. He just starts shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Who told him that he was the son of David? What does son of David even mean, right? I mean, this just wasn't a celebrity. This is the son of God, Jesus Christ, the one we sing songs about today, thousands of years later. More than that, this blind man calls him out by a title that wasn't used that often. Son of David. In your Bibles, this is what you might want to do. Take a card or a note or whatever, stick it in Luke, and then go with me to Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament. Get through past Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, there's the book Isaiah, and turn to chapter 11 with me. In Isaiah 11, starting in verse 1, we have the prophecy of the Messiah. The Messiah is the one who would come and he would save the world. He'd restore order and peace. The Messiah would come from the family line of David. So this is talked about all through the Old Testament, prophesied, okay? Let's read in Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance, nor make a decision based on hearsay. 
He will give justice to the poor. He will make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word. One breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will hear righteousness. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. A little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of the cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in the nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the earth, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. And in that day, the heir of David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. And the nations will rally to him in the land where he lives will be a glorious place. The son of David is prophesied and talked about. Who is this Messiah? Who is this son of David? Jesus Christ. And the blind man, not a religious leader, the blind man is sitting there and he's calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He knew that Jesus was the son of David. He knew Jesus was the Messiah. So he just kept shouting, trying to get his attention. And you have to ask this, what do you think he wanted, right? What did he want? What did he ask for? Mercy. Son of David, let me see. He didn't say that. Son of David, help me get rich. He didn't ask for that. What did he say? Son of David, have mercy. What's mercy? We always talk about grace and mercy, right? He knew he deserved nothing, but he was asking for something. He knew he deserved punishment, but he was asking for freedom. He knows, just like you and I know, that in life we mess up, and when we mess up, we deserve punishment, right? If you are at home and you make a mistake, kids, you blow it at home, there is a punishment. It might be a belt, it might be a spanking, it might be sitting in the corner, it might be time out. Every household has their own rules of punishment, okay? If you're at school and you break the rules, there's probably suspension or Saturday school or some punishment dealt out by the school. If you're at work and you break the rules, it gets a little worse, doesn't it? You might have your pay suspended, you might even be fired. But we understand this. If we mess up, there is a penalty that must be paid. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're growing up in a home right now where you get in trouble and nothing ever happens to you, I hate to say this, but you're getting lied to because that's not life. In life, when you mess up, there's always punishment. There's always punishment. And in ancient thinking, people would have possibly believed, well, this blind man, the reason he's blind, it's a result of his sins. He's messed up in life, so that's why he is blind. Sometimes we think that too, right? I do something bad, God's going to punish me. My health, my kids' health, maybe relationships, maybe work. It's probably because God's punishing me. That was a common thought in biblical times. Something goes bad, right? If that were the case, let me share something with you. If that were the case that every time we sin, something bad would happen to us, we'd all be blind. Right? If this man's blindness was due to his sin and we are all sinners, wouldn't we all be blind? Most likely, yes. 
Mercy is asking, and it's actually more than asking, it's pleading to not give me what I deserve. Show mercy. I know I deserve punishment. Show mercy. In other words, I do not want that punishment. I know I deserve it, but I'm asking for mercy. I do not want that. And here's this blind man sitting alongside the road. What does he ask for? He's asking for mercy. God, do not give me what I'm deserving right now. Think about what the worst thing can happen in sin, disobedience. What's the worst punishment that we can put upon ourselves? Separation from God. That's the worst punishment. Separation from God. Eternal life in hell. That's punishment. We all deserve it. For we've all sinned. We've all messed up. And what does God do? He gives us grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. And he gives us mercy, not giving us what we do deserve. And this blind man is begging for mercy. He was desperate for help, seeking mercy to have compassion, to receive something he's not deserving of. He knows he deserves punishment. He's saying, have mercy. Have mercy. The blind man knew he needed mercy from Jesus. He didn't need anything else. He didn't think that God owed him anything. He just wanted mercy. And if you examine the words cry out when you're looking at this verse, there's actually when he says he cried out and then he cried out even louder or he shouted or he shouted louder in the very next verse, there's two different words used. It's not the same word. It isn't like he yelled and then he yelled, same word, louder. It's two different words. The first one in verse 38, it's like an ordinary shout just to get the attraction of people. Hey, you know, get your attraction. There we go. That's that first word, right? But the second word that's used here to describe him shouting louder means it's the instinctive cry of sort of an ungoverned emotion. It's a scream. It's a shriek. It's, it's like an animal crying out in pain. It's so much different than me trying to get your attention. The first time he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me, he's just getting the attention of Jesus. The next time he cried out even louder, he was like in pain, shrieking, Son of David, have mercy on me. It was a, it was a desperation cry. There's no longer, I just want your attention, Jesus. It's, Jesus, I need you. The blind beggar was shameless in crying out, too. I want to pause for a second and ask you another question. Ask me a question. How willing are we to shout out to Jesus? How shameless can we be in seeking him? To worship God and not care what anybody else thinks. How far are we willing to go in demonstrating our faith? Are we like that blind beggar who says, you know, I don't care what everybody else thinks about me right now. I need Jesus. So I will pray. I will read. I will seek. I will serve. I will give. And the rest of the world may look at you and think, what are you doing? Be quiet. And you're like, no. I'm desperate for him right now because my life is a wreck. And I need help. And what's the reaction of the crowd? What's the reaction of Jesus? Look at everybody's reaction in this story. The first reaction is of the crowd. What do they do? They tell him what? Be quiet. Why? Why would we tell a blind person to be quiet? What kind of crowd is that? And I'm trying to remember who said it, but it was those who loved Jesus, or at least were following Jesus, were the ones that were telling the blind man to be quiet. Are you kidding me? 
That's like the church telling people who don't go to church, don't come in here. This is for the church. No blind people in here. That's crazy talk, right? There it was. And what does Jesus do? Jesus stops and he does what? Look at verse 40. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. And he ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? So Jesus poses the question, what do you want? You already heard him say, have mercy on me, right? Jesus is on a mission. Nothing's going to stop him on his journey to Jerusalem, yet he stood still to answer a, answer a persistent plea of mercy. What do you want me to do for you? Wonderful, simple question. God stopped, not stopped asking us. Sometimes we go without or short of something in our life. And God wants to give us simply because he's God. But we as Christians and we as human beings just don't ask. We need to ask. Jesus asked a question with full knowledge that the man is blind. Okay, you're not going to pull this one over on Jesus. Like, what do you want me to do? Are you blind? No, Jesus knew, right? It's the Son of God. He already knows what this man wants, but he wants the man to ask. Just like he already knows what our hearts desire, but what does God say? Pray to me. Speak to me. I want to hear it from your lips. I know what you want. I know what's in your heart. But I want to hear you say it. He knew what needed to be expressed, but go ahead. So the blind man knew how to submit to Jesus. He called him out, Lord, as in, I submit to you, your higher authority. I'm lower authority, Lord. And he said, very simply, I want to see. Very simple. So Jesus granted the man's request, healed him of his blindness, And Jesus then connected the man's healing, though, with the man's faith. They went together. Look what he said. All right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. The blind man's now healed. He's saved. And he begins to follow Jesus. And the way of Jesus became his way. Before, he had no. He was in darkness, physically and spiritually. Jesus comes along, he recognizes, you know what, I need my life to be right. Here is the Messiah, the one who can save us all. I need to humbly submit to him, clean my life up, get it right. So have mercy on me, God. And Jesus says, what? What do you want me to do for you? Well, I would really like to see. Of course you would. So you're going to see physically and you're going to see spiritually. And he healed him. And the blind man says, you know what, I'm going to follow you now. Your way is going to be my way. I want to go wherever you're going to go, Jesus. And that was especially significant considering, guess where Jesus was going? On his way to Jerusalem to die, right? And here's the blind man, not knowing the path of Jesus, still says, I will go your way, whatever way that is. When I read this story and I see how this man was imprisoned by a physical condition of blindness, I start asking a lot of questions, and I hope you ask a lot of questions, too, when you read God's Word. And maybe when you read this morning, you were asking questions, or maybe you're just reading because I told you to read. But ask questions. Here's one question I'd like you to ask. Are we like the people in the crowd who get hyper and excited for Jesus, and but become really indignant towards the blind? Are we like them? 
We get so excited about church and maybe what True North is doing or what God's doing in this world or, or what a certain uh, Bible study group is doing or this group or that. We're so excited, but we forget about the blind. Stop for a moment and ask yourselves, have you ever told someone to be quiet? Maybe not verbally, but by the way we looked at them. Do we judge people because they're different than us? I think it's very easy, very easy as maybe I'm working with a group of students. And who usually gets the most attention? Probably the loudest kids talk the most, right? But there's always one or two kids that are quiet and maybe they don't get a lot of attention and maybe they're visiting for the first time. They just need to hear truth, but they look different than the rest of the kids are not as loud. So what happens sometimes as a teacher, I may completely ignore that kid, not on purpose, just unintentionally. But really, that's sort of my way of being quiet because I'm going to focus on everybody else. Now, unintentionally, I look at that situation and go, wow, I missed it. Here is somebody that I really should have given more attention that was probably seeking, needing mercy, needing help. And I missed it. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody that comes into a place where you're at often and you know they're just different. Because they're different than you, it's easy to what? Not say anything, isn't it? I get that. I feel that way a lot. Walk in, it's like, oh, I really don't know that. What should I say? Oh, just somebody else will reach them, right? And it's almost like I'm unintentionally saying, be quiet. It's that kid who has that different behavior than my kid. It's that man who looks or acts differently than me. Again, they may not be a churchy type looking person, so why would I invite them to church? Right? So ask yourself, are there people who are different than you in their looks, their behavior, whatever it may be, so much that we unintentionally tell them to be quiet? If so, maybe we need to ask God for boldness and courage to talk to them. It's easy to ignore their needs. It really is. It's easy to duck our heads, not say a word. I get it. Listen, I love Jesus, okay? Just like the crowd. But sometimes I get uncomfortable with people who are not like me. And it's, it's easy to get quiet and ignore the needs of people who really are seeking the mercy of God. So I've got to ask myself, am I being like the crowd today? Let's ask another question. Am I being like the blind man today? Am I understanding that I need Jesus in my life? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like the blind man. It's like, I need change in my life. I mean, things right now in my life have been spiritually dark. I've been blinded to a lot of things. I need truth. I need, I need my eyes to be open. And how willing am I to shout out? When the world tells me to be quiet, will I stand up? Will I rise up? Or will I shut up? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to tell you right now, the world is telling us, Christians, right now to be quiet. Freedom from Religion is a group that's been trying to infiltrate and shut down a lot of programs, Christian programs, in schools and in public places. Um, many of you are not aware of this. I, I want to share this with you because I often feel like sometimes we as Christians are crying out for change and we want hope, and then, but we've got people telling us to be quiet. And I want to challenge you this morning, like the blind man, to not be quiet any longer, to keep shouting, keep shouting louder. This Freedom From Religion group, um, basically, they're, they're on a mission. And groups like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, we, we, we actually have a wall at their headquarters. Things like Bullseye Target. Get them out of the schools. They're trying to 
shut us down, not let us do what we do. Um, for the past few years, I'm very thankful it's, uh, for a group. And um, the Alliance Defending Freedom Group, they, they put out a booklet. And every year when we do training with our student leaders and our adult leaders through in the schools with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, we, we take our students and our leaders and we point them to this. And this past year, it's like, we got to get better at this. Basically, how do you defend your rights at a public school? Kids, can you pray? Teachers, can you pray? Can you carry your Bible in school? Can your groups like FCA or Youth for Christ or youth groups, can you have Bible studies in your school? The answers to all that are in here. And this past week, I had to go to Cleveland for three days uh, for some training. And while I was there in this training, the Alliance that Defends Freedom they actually sent a representative to be there with training with us, which we've never done before. In 12 years of working with FCA, I've never, we've never, you know, I've seen their booklets and stuff, but they actually sent a representative. And he stood up in front of uh, 40 of us directors and basically said, on behalf of Alliance Defending Freedom, we want to partner with FCA. And we'll tell you why. Freedom from Religion and ACLU and many other groups out there are trying to shut you down. We get that. And we are here to defend your rights and help you do what you need to do under the Constitution and under the First Amendment. We are choosing to partner with you because you guys have not watered down the truth. There are other groups that go into schools and they water down the truth, but you have not. We want to stand with you. And that was incredible hearing that from them. And so here they are. He's standing up. And so we spent the next hour and a half, two hours, him basically going through a lot of stuff that I already knew. But why is that so important? Because you need to know that there are schools in our area, and I'm telling you something, Northwest Ohio is very blessed. So blessed. We really are. We don't know how good we have until you move out and you go to another place where you can't get away with a lot of stuff that we do, okay? Spiritually speaking. But we do have some schools, and matter of fact, on the way home from Cleveland, I was on the phone for quite a while with a with a teacher and a coach who basically they've been told you can't pray with your team and your team's not allowed to pray. Oh, and teachers, you're not allowed to gather around your flagpole to pray at like see at the pole. And I was able to talk to that teacher and those, that coach and basically explain to them, actually, your rights have been taken away. So actually the school can get in bigger trouble for telling the teacher you can't gather around the flagpole. And I sort of lay out and explain to them how and why there are certain things you can and cannot do. And you need to know that there are certain schools uh, in, the, in the area that are, are stepping right on that line for fear of, you know, they don't want to get sued or whatever it may be. So they're telling groups that you can or cannot do this. Our role is to step into the school and help the school make great choices. We love the schools. We don't want the schools to get in trouble either. So we want to make sure that we aren't doing things that are against the law to get the school in trouble. But we also want to make sure the school understands there are certain things that we can do that you can't take away from us either. You know, and the school is just trying to, we just want to do our thing, educate students. So we've got to help the schools. And you need to understand it's not so much the school's issue, it's those other groups that are coming in, like Freedom from Religion, that are trying to make it difficult and take it away. So what do we do? Do we sit like the blind beggar and shut up, or do we rise up and speak up? We've got to raise our children, parents. We've got to raise up our children to be godly, not happy, godly. We've got to teach and disciple them. Because I'm going to tell you what, 
What I can and cannot do as an adult in your school is limited. But your kids, you can pray in school. You have more rights as a student to live for God in school than ever before. So how important is it that we raise up our children to be godly so that they can make the impact in the school? So I want to I encourage you because this Wednesday night, we're going to show some pictures here real quick. And um, Julian, you can get the lights for me. We have an event called uh, Fields of Faith. Last year, I remember Joel Penton was around and he spoke. And then the next day, uh, that week, he came back and he, we went out at Biddle Park. And we had hundreds of students from all around. You can go in with the sort of every two, three seconds, change a picture or whatever. Um, from Northwest Ohio. Coming. And here, let me tell you about this event. It's all student-led. It will start off, there will be a student band there. And, and, I, and I really appreciate, appreciate Pastor Dave helping get things set up with the, the equipment and the sound and Pastor Landon. And, and there will be uh, a youth band that will be playing. They'll be singing. Then students will get up and read Scripture. Why is this my favorite verse? Another student will get up and share their testimony. And we got a college student coming in and challenging the junior high and high school kids how to live for Jesus in their school, to stand up. And then they'll break into small groups and they will pray. And again, they're from everywhere in this area. And a couple hundred students gathered, along with some adults, to pray. They're rising up. They get it. You know, I know you're worried about who to vote for. I'm going to tell you right now. We all need to pray, okay? It starts with prayer. So I want to invite you. If you want to come Wednesday night, this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, it'll come. You can come and watch. More importantly, I'm going to ask you to pray. For the GPS, for the younger age kids, they're going to be at the ministry center, and they're going to continue to learn about God. So thankful for our, our teachers, our volunteers on Wednesday night, preschool through fifth grade. You keep raising up those kids with truth. Meanwhile, the junior and senior hires will be out at the fields praying. And it's going to be an incredible event. You know, two weeks ago, I was looking at the outlook forecast, and it was like 69 and rainy. It's like, no. And then every day, I'm going to keep looking. You know, it's like, God, you got this. It's going to be okay. Last I saw, it went from like 60. It's like mid-70s now and like a 10% chance of rain. It's like, yes. Why does that matter? Because I hate being miserable outside with a bunch of people, Okay. But last year, as we were waiting for people to pull in, it was like, it looked like reminded me of the movie Field of Dreams. All these cars are pulling in the middle park. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And it was. I don't know what it's going to be like this year. All I know is we need to do this, and we're doing it again. Okay, thanks. You can go ahead and turn the lights on. You know, when I read this story in Luke, I'm inclined to say, you know, so here's the thing. If Jesus is coming, okay, so I'm that blind person crying out for mercy, crying out for change. You know what? Shut up, Rex. No, I will not shut up. I will rise up. I will stand up. Because I need Jesus in my life, and you need him too. So I will just rise up, and I'm going to keep shouting. But here's the thing. If Jesus is coming, what am I doing about it? It Really, what am I really doing about it? What matters most in life? Don't answer this out loud, but I want you to answer it. What really matters most in life? Because that answer to the question is going to drive your life. You can sit here in church and give me a churchy answer. Well, Jesus, it's all about Jesus. Thank you for giving me the churchy answer, but what really dri- what's really most important? Because if Jesus is the number one thing in your life, is he driving your life? Or is your job driving your life? 
Is your money driving your life? Are your kids driving your life? If knowing Jesus is the most important thing in your life, it's reflected in your time and your talents and your tithing. What's the most important thing you can share with somebody? Think about this. What's the most important thing you can share with somebody? Eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing you could ever share with somebody. If you're a coach, if you're a teacher, you will teach and give great truths. But the most important thing we could ever share with somebody is to receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. And if he is the most important thing I could share, if he's the most important thing in my life, and if there's really the most important thing, is it reflected in my life? Because if it's not reflected in my life, then it's not the most important thing in your life. Do I spend more time worshiping God or worshiping my kids? Do I spend more time worshiping my hobbies and my job and money? Which one is getting the most attention from you right now? Whatever's getting your attention the most is what's most important to you. And I know it's a hard question to ask, but we have to ask it. If I'm sitting here in need of Jesus, and Jesus is coming, if it's really important for me to shout out to him, I need to be shouting, crying out for him. The blind man, the one who couldn't see, had the best vision that day. You know that? The one who was the most blind had the best vision. Couldn't see the world around him, but he saw Jesus as the Son of God. And seeing Jesus is seeing God. Seeing Jesus has found freedom in physical darkness. I'm telling you, God opens my eyes all the time as to what's matter and what I need to share with you. And, and even yesterday, my mom sends me a text. And i got to read this to you. She says, uh, reading while watching Notre Dame play in horrible weather. Notre Dame stinks. She, she didn't say that, but I knew she really wanted to. <laughs> throwing that in, okay? Reading a magazine article by David Jeremiah, um, you and Jenny have a challenge with FCA ministry. He said, if we're going to see a spiritual change in this country, I believe it will happen through our young people. Also, you have a challenge as a pastor of your church for the youth. So forth and so on. She's going to say a few more things. And then I said to her, I said, um, very true. What magazine are you reading, Mom? And she texted back. Um, Billy Graham magazine called Decision Magazine. I'm reading the 2016 election special full of good info on candidates, beliefs, so forth and so on. I said, can you take a picture of what he said and send it to me? I'd like to see that. And she said, I'll try. And I go, all right. My mom's 85 with a smartphone, and I'm asking her to do this stuff. I'm thinking, I know she'll get it, but I'm thinking, I'm just going to call. It's like, boom. So I talked to my mom. And it was really funny because she's like, well, there's this magazine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, wait, what's it called? Okay, so like earlier this week, I never get the mail at the church, by the way, just to let you know. Landon or Jen or Dave gets it. And so it just so happened, I don't know why, but this week, for some reason, I go to the mailbox because I saw the, the mail thing was open. And I'm driving by, it's like, oh, well, I'll get the mail today. I never do this, but I might as well. So I went out and got the mail. I saw this decision magazine in there. I was thinking, now, I don't even know what the magazine, but I saw uh, Hillary and uh, Trump on the front there. And I was like... I'm sorry, I was really impersonal how I used their names. But anyway, I, I, I'm like, oh, great, an election magazine. So, like, we've had enough of that, right? So anyway, I just threw it on the floor of my vehicle, let it sit there for a couple of days, and like, oh, yeah, I probably should drop that off and put it on the desk. I don't know who ordered this. It says True North Church, 850 West Elm. All right. This is the magazine my mom was talking about. 
how weird is that, right? It's a God thing, I'm telling you. So mom's telling me about this magazine. She goes, oh, yeah, there's a picture of the candidates on the front. I said, wait a minute. I think I got that magazine this week. I never get the mail. So I went and grabbed it and opened it up, and here it is. This is what Dr. David Jeremiah said. Incidentally, I also think if we're going to see a spiritual change in this country, I believe it will happen through our young people. I was with a bunch of young people yesterday, and I was reminding them all that the great awakenings, including the beginning of modern mission movement, started among young people. One girl said, I told God the answer is yes. I don't even know what the questions are. But whatever you want me to do, God, the answer is yes. So he goes on to say, so I believe we need to pray with all of our hearts that God will do a work in our churches, especially our youth. I'm thinking about that again. Youth. This goes for the adults too, but youth. If you're that blind beggar, are you just going to sit there and be quiet or are you going to rise up and stand up? One of the best ways we can stand up is to pray. Pray for change. Cry out to God. Would you please stand with me? Worship team, come forward. This blind man cried out. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see God in his life. And God removed the darkness so that he could be free from physical blindness and be free from spiritual blindness. And I want you to listen to how this story ends as I read this verse to you as we're all standing. Verse 43. Instantly the man could see. He followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Did you see who he gave all the glory? He gave God all the glory. He he shares that story. Once I was blind, now I see. And it's amazing grace, right? And the people didn't applaud this man's living testimony. Like, oh, blind man, which we find out his name later in a different gospel. They were praising God, not him. So when we share our stories of what God's doing in our life, like maybe I share a story of what God's doing in my life, what do we say? Praise God. To God be the glory. Wednesday night, I pray that there's going to be a lot of praising going on because there's going to be a lot of kids who are saying, you know what, I'm going to be like that blind man. I'm going to stand up. The world may be saying, be quiet, but I will stand up. And I will shout out the name of God. I will shout out the name of Jesus Christ because he is the most important thing in my life. And I've got to show that. And hope and pray that when that night comes to an evening, God will receive so much glory. He's going to step back and say, now that was incredible. It's going to happen not just at Biddle Park. It's going to happen in Hicksville. And it's going to happen in hundreds of other places across the United States. So be praying for all these other places that are meeting too. You know, they didn't make this man a celebrity. They celebrated God. So church, if you want to know God, you've got to know Jesus, his son. We need to seek Jesus. We need to shout out to him. We need to ask him, open our eyes, God. Open our eyes. We want to see you. We want to see you, and we want to stand up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a mighty God. I thank you you sent your son, Jesus Christ, son of David, Messiah. And God, sometimes we can be like the crowd and not sure how to react about people that are around us. We just like the hype. We like following Jesus, going to church, singing and seeing what Jesus is going to do. But I think you want more than that. And some, are like, some of us are like the blind man. We're, we've sort of been blinded to truth. We can't see what's going on around us. We need your mercy. And you come and you save us. You give us new sight. And even when people are telling us to be quiet, we can't shut up because we need you. We can't shut up because we love you. We can't shut up because you are the God of this universe and your son, Jesus Christ, saves us from all things. So God, let us be bold. 
coming to you and first just asking for help. Cleanse us. Forgive us. And God, let us be bold in coming to you and saying, help us to stand for you. We need to pray for the future of this nation, our families, our homes, our workplaces. God, I pray for our students, for our teachers, for our school administrators. God, I know they want to serve you. I know they want to know more about you. God, we pray for Wednesday night in Fields of Faith that it's just going to be a tremendous outpouring as students from all over Northwest Ohio gather to pray, to sing to you. May your name be praised. And God, for this church, we thank you that we have a building under structure right now, but God, we pray that our lives spiritually are being built in truth. And God, if you are the most important thing in our life, I pray that's reflected in how we live, how we sing, how we give, how we serve. Because God, we really do want to know you, know you better. We love you, God, and we sing to you now. In our name we pray. Amen.